We are in a series right now on the five-fold DNA of Jesus. I hope that I have been able to persuade you by Scripture, according to Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 13, that the five office gifts that are mentioned, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, are in fact the very DNA of Jesus himself. That these gifts, though they are offices, are in fact, if it's his DNA, DNA is within every cell within your body. This DNA is manifest in the body of Christ, and so it's within all of us. It's the very nature of Christ. He is the apostle. He is the prophet. He is the evangelist. He's the pastor, shepherd. He is the teacher of all. That's who he is. And he gave that DNA to the body of Christ so that we would grow, as it says, into the full stature of who he is in the earth. That we would no longer be little children tossed around. The church needs to rise up and walk in maturity and in full stature with Jesus. That means we need to be manifesting the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelistic, the shepherding, and the teaching in the fullness of the body, not for a select few. Yes, there are those who are called as to be apostles and prophets and evangelists so that they would instruct the rest of the body how to walk in apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, and teaching. It's in within each one of us. You have the DNA of your parents. You look somewhat like your father or mother. You act somewhat like them. Probably more than you even want to sometimes. You ever look in the mirror? You ever, you, you know, say something, you go, oh my gosh, that's my dad. Or you act and have the movements of your mother. We all do. How many of you want to act and look like Jesus, Right? How would you love to be looking in the mirror and go, oh my gosh, I look just like Jesus. Wouldn't that be a trip, huh? Hallelujah. But this fivefold DNA is manifest within the body of Christ. It's not one or two, it's all of us. And so you would have the traits of Jesus within you since you are born again, born from above. You're born into the nature of Christ, therefore you'd have his DNA in you. Does this make sense to you? And so what we need to identify is what traits of his DNA do you walk in? Throughout your life you're going to see a manifestation of walking in apostolic or prophetic or evangelistic or shepherd or teacher. It's within you. Many of you are operating in this way and you've not been taught that. You've, you've been taught that it's relegated to a few people when in fact you in have that same DNA trait of Jesus. And that's what I want to focus on today. I'm going to go through the character qualities of an apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, shepherd, teacher DNA and see if that highlights in you. There's certainly the ability to have this gift mix. I don't have just one trait of my mother and father. I have multiple traits. But I, I move towards the stronger ones within me just because that's the way I'm made. And some of you are going to be more apostolic than you are teacher. Some of you are going to be more evangelistic than you are prophetic. It's just whatever trait is growing and manifesting you in, in a greater proportion. 
So let's take a look at that. Let's start identifying some of it so that you would realize you're more like Jesus than you know. Because if it was just up to those five, what's the rest of the body going to look like? We're all supposed to look like Jesus, so we would have these traits. So let's look at the apostolic. Well, first of all, I'm going back. We know who the head is, don't we? Who's the head? Jesus. That's why the J's up there. Where is the head? At the top. Where's Jesus right now? Right hand of the fire. He's in heaven. The head is in heaven. Directing all that his body should be doing. And so this body needs to be, as Paul says in Ephesians 4, 12, 13, fitted together, working in unity, cooperating so that we'll grow into the full stature. I mean, if you've got an arm doing something that the head didn't tell it to do, we got a problem, don't we? If your leg isn't moving the way the head says it's supposed to move, then you're not going to function well. So Jesus is the head. The body is in the earth. So that he can fill all in all. The first one we're going to look at is apostle. Now, I, this is, uh, Ron Zettel put this body uh, concept together with the, uh, with the arms. You know, I showed you the hands and the fingers. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, Pastor Ron was in the back and the Lord had showed him how it's a body. And that, that main trunk, remember the DNA has a spine that holds the other aspects of the ribonucleic acids, right? And, and so the apostle is that trunk. It's the spine. It's by which the others are held together and operates. So what is an apostle? First, we've got to get a few things clear because those who criticize believers who think that this five-fold ministry is still fully functioning today, that it didn't pass away, they criticize us by saying there are no more apostles. Scripture proves it. I mean, Scripture says that if you're going to be an apostle, you had to have been with Jesus from his baptism to his resurrection. Those are the apostles. Okay? So <clears throat> that is true for those who are apostles of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. But there are 12 other apostles named after the 12. In fact, on the very first chapter of Acts, when Judas is dead, before God can do anything, he tells them they need to find a replacement for Judas. And they look to see who qualifies. And the only qualifications are two men, Matthias and, and Barnabas. Just two, because they needed to be with Jesus from his baptism to his resurrection and see him as a resurrected Lord. They do lots, and Matthias is the twelfth one called complete. There's the twelve apostles of the Lamb. But what do you do with the twelve others that are identified? Paul, Timothy, Barnabas, James. Twelve others with the title apostle. Because when Jesus gave the fivefold gifting to the body apostle prophet evangelist pastor teacher he gave it at his ascension after the 12 original so 
the gifting of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor is a New Testament gifting for the body of Christ, which is separate from the 12 foundational apostles. We don't deny that those 12 are the key 12 that carry the apostles' doctrine and teaching. Anybody in the New Testament that walks in apostolic has to submit under the 12 apostles' doctrine. Okay? In fact, in the Didache, written in about 96 AD, it's called the teaching of the 12. And in it is an entire chapter on how to deal with apostles and prophets in the New Testament. Look at it, if it's their teaching and they're telling you that there are apostles and prophets in the New Testament beside the original 12, there are. All right? So this is an office we still believe functions. It is not on the par of the 12 of the Lamb. It is a New Testament office. So what are the qualities and traits of someone who's walking in the DNA of Jesus apostolically? Well, let's take a look. Uh, what their heart is about is for the whole. The word apostle means sent one. It comes from the concept of during Roman times when someone was an emissary, they were taking the culture of the city they represented and bringing it into a new land. And they would bring the culture of who they represented into a new place. That's why Jesus brought the culture of heaven to earth, didn't he? He's the apostle. And so we're to bring the kingdom culture into a new situation. We're, we're building foundations. That what's, that's what an apostolic does. It builds the foundations of the culture you represent. How many of you represent heaven? Okay, some of you are convinced that you do. <laughs> what's the qualities of an apostle? They're leaders. Uh, they're foundation builders. Uh, uh, Paul said this to the church at Corinth, you have thousands of teachers, but so few fathers. They father or they mother. They're, they're concerned about the whole situation. They're concerned about the whole body. They're concerned that everyone is functioning in the gifting they should have, working together. Is all of this working properly? They're leaders, they're builders. They're organizers. Their goal is to organize and have something function and sustain, running, so they can move on to the next place they can introduce the foundation. What are they emotionally? They're, they're, they're less emotional and more structured. More based on this is the way things should be. They're not going to let their emotions get in the way. Let's still make it work. They value working together as a team. That's leadership. What's the biggest problem with this? That power, that strength can go to their heads. They, become, they can become abusive with authority. Right? Have you ever seen anybody like that? Okay. Now let me ask you this among you. How many of you have those qualities and traits of leadership? You're, you're able to lead people. You're able to draw people together, getting them functioning together, working together. 
interceding to make them function and not argue. Let's put you at the right place. You're on the wrong machine. You need to go over here. Let's put this, let's rearrange this. Let's get it running. You know how to establish something, how to create something and get it moving and how to sustain it. Do I got anybody like that here? All right, good. How many of you own your own businesses? Raise your hands, I can't see. Okay. Typically, people who own their own business, people who establish things from the ground up, fundamentally begin to organize it and run it, have a sense of the apostolic. Oversight, and you see that, all right? So that might be something that is working in you. So the reason I'm training and teaching you in these things is so that you will go with that. You will allow it to grow. Read books on the apostolic. Read books on leadership. How many of you get turned on by reading books about leadership? (laughs) Right? Because it just goes right into your, your head. You understand it. You're breathing it. You know it. Others are like, this is like a cracker dry and ah. So what I'm telling you is if that is your gifting, is that the DNA of Jesus, then let it flourish. Build on it. Grow it so that you can walk apostolically. All right? Let's move to the prophet. Let's take a look at what a prophet does. Now, another criticism against believing that there are prophets in the New Testament. The typical argument is from Deuteronomy Based on Old Testament prophets, if you get some prediction wrong, you should be stoned to death and put to death. We saw that in the election, right? How many prophets did we have saying Trump would be back in the White House serving another term? And that didn't happen. Oh, well, wait, we're going to switch and change it and rearrange it. He'll go for another term next time. No, you said he wasn't going to leave the White House. So do they deserve to be stoned? (laughs) Some of you feel that way. There is a distinction between the Old Testament prophet and a New Testament prophet. Remember, the Old Testament prophet is speaking for God. There was no Holy Spirit in people dwelling in them. The Old Testament prophet, when he spoke, was speaking Scripture. He was speaking directly from the unction of Jesus Christ, the Word of God. They were representing Yahweh. In the New Testament, it qualifies it. We are not speaking forth Scripture. We are speaking uh, forth the confirmation of what Scripture says. We prophesy in part, because we know in part, all right? And so what we're doing is we're forthtelling the declaration of what God has already revealed and what is there. And so it has to stay under the weight of Scripture. How do you test prophecy? By the Word of God. So therefore, it is not above the Word. There's no new revealed truth we have the revealed truth so there's a marked distinction between a new testament prophet and an old testament prophet all right now let's look at the prophetic how about the prophet what does 
What's his main heart? The apostle's main heart is caring for the whole and this whole thing's functioning. The prophet, we, we, we put that arm out there. He wants to reach, he wants to hear from heaven and bring that to you. What is the Lord saying? What is thus saith the Lord? And what he'll highlight is scripture for the moment. What does the word of the Lord say? Calling the body of Christ to be in alignment with heaven. That's prophetic. What are the qualities? They're most typically very creative. They're visual. They're, they, they hear through sensory. Uh, they, they have vision. They have dream. So they're typically very creative, sensitive people. Their goal is to get right with God, to edify, exhort, and comfort. They're speaking God's will from heaven to us, and they want us to get aligned with God. They speak the edification, exhortation, and comfort. Typically, they're very emotional people. They got ups and downs. They're high and they're low. They're, they're celebrating or they're weeping. What do they value? Encounters with the Holy Spirit. Encounters with God. The apostle values order, unity, functioning together. The prophet values spiritual encounters so they're in step with the Holy Spirit. What's the problem with the prophet? Many times they're too intuitive. They're not, if they're not adjusted in knowing their gifting, everything becomes hyper-spiritual. And many times they become lone rangers because they feel persecuted and they isolate. Because nobody listens to me anyways. And so they have that attitude. So it, a well-adjusted prophet is one who works and functions in the body and, and doesn't have to be a lone ranger. Doesn't have to hide away. All right? So the prophetic... You're, you're concerned about what the Spirit is saying, the unction of God. You're concerned with spiritual encounters and being in tune with heaven. How many of the, you, does that resonate with you? How many of you are prophetic? Let me see your hands up. Okay. Okay. So you love being spiritually in tune, right? How many of you, like when, when, a, when, a, when a particular worship song comes on, boom, you're in it. You're in heaven. Um, you're hearing downloads, you're there, right? You love the testimonies of what God did. You love the, the stories of revival. You love the stories of encounter, right? That's what you're praying for. You're hungry for purity of spirit and for people to hear and know God, okay? So move into that. Grow into that with a greater maturity. Walk in it to where... Uh, you're functioning in that quality of gifting so that you're walking spiritually and not emotionally. Because your emotions are so attached to that spiritual connection, sometimes they get the better of you. All right? Does that make sense? Do we need prophets? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that we stay in step with the Spirit. Right? All right, next, let's look at, look at evangelists. Get that leg moving. The, the evangelist, his heart is for the harvest, for souls. He cares. While all of you are here in church, he's saying, why aren't we out there? There are people lost and going to hell. Doesn't anybody care? 
And so the qualities is they're persuasive. They're caring. They, they really want to persuade you unto Christ. They really want to help you understand and see clearly. Remove the blinders from your eyes. They want to convict the soul. It's not just about, the evangelist is not just about winning the lost. The evangelist is also about to the church convicting of sin and walking rightly as a witness. The evangelist will come to a church and just tear it up and speak hard and direct. How can we win the world if you're living like that? Right? Call out sin because you're a witness. Their main focus is a witness. Reflect Christ rightly. They value motivating for change. Let's get our act together. We're going to win this world. We're going to win the lost. The problem is they can get very annoying. <laughs> they can get judgmental. Many times evangelists try to win the, one, win the ones that are already won. Sometimes i got to tell evangelists, stop preaching to me. I'm already saved. <laughs> but they can, the, a, a, a problem with it is they can become judgmental. you got to measure that out with compassion and understand the lost are blind. They don't see because they're literally blind and dead in their trespasses and sin. We have to awaken and win them. So how many of you find that your heart is just motivated to win the lost and care for souls and see them saved? Anybody? Okay. Okay. Now I'm seeing some hands that were up, raised once with one and up with another, and that's that's a, a gift mix. That's exactly right. Now, what would happen if an evangelist has that uh, gift mixed with that apostolic? Well, they're going to try and gather people together and say, let's go out witnessing together. I've got the maps. I've got the area. Let's work it out. That's their apostolic functioning that way. And then they're saying, okay, so you take this street. I'll take this street. I've already ordered all the materials we need. Someone that's evangelistic but prophetic-minded and says, that's good and fine, but I've been praying. And God has shown me that there's some woman out there that's been weeping and looking for an answer. And she's wearing red, and I'm going to go walk to find her. And they find that lady in red and go, the Lord showed me you, and boom. You understand what I'm getting at? This functioning within us. Now, what about the shepherd? I use the term shepherd instead of pastor. Pastor is only used once in the New Testament. The word pastor is only used once in the New Testament in Ephesians 4.11. But in the Western church, we've made the pastor the king of the hill. If, if you have any kind of a spiritual calling and you want to minister, we'll call it full-time, and you want to be used in full-time ministry, the only outlet you have is to become a pastor. We have so many pastors of churches that really are not shepherds. They're apostles. They're prophets. They're evangelists. But there was no other way for them to understand to go and they became pastors. And sometimes that's a problem. What is a pastor? He loves the people. He tends to be uh, caring for people, uh, discipling and mentoring them. The qualities, they're patient, loving, 
Their goal is to create a healthy, self, uh, safe growth in the Christian's life. Come on, you can do this. We're going to get you growing. What do they value? Safe, strong growth, discipleship, maturity, walking in the Lord. What's the problem? They can get too involved in other people's lives. They overreach sometimes. Pastors can, can uh, get into trying to shepherd into people's lives where they actually don't belong. You want to train someone to be a disciple, not a dependent. Right? All right? Pastors many times can get disappointed because when you're trying to raise people up, it's no different from parenting. They make choices that is like, I thought you weren't going to do that. But I use the term shepherd because many of you have a shepherd's heart. You shepherd people. You shepherd where you work. You, you shepherd wherever you go in your family. You're the one people come to for advice. You're the one that uh, the younger ones come to because my mom and dad won't listen to me, but you will. And you're patient with people. How many of you have that shepherding heart? How many of you find that you're a shepherd? Okay, we got a lot of shepherds there. All right, and then last of all, fifthly, we've got the teacher. Now, in the fivefold ministry, some say in the original language of the Greek that shepherd teacher is one qualification. It's shepherd slash teacher. But not all shepherds are teachers, and not all teachers are shepherds. We see a difference. What's a teacher? They're concerned about what is true. They want to speak the truth. Their qualities are that they're creative, they're sensitive, they're sensitive to truth. They, they so long for you, they, they want, their goal is to communicate truth to you. They hear something that you say, you have to interrupt the conversation someone's having at the grocery store because they got the information wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I overheard you, uh, but actually that's not what's happening. That's not what's true. They're less emotional, more objective. This is what it says. They value truth encounters. Let's have a truth encounter. Let me help you understand something more than you do. The problem is they can become too analytical or too doctrine or, or, or uh, doctrinally based. They can become pharisaical. This is what it says. This is how you do it. You're doing it wrong. This is right. They don't have the compassion of a shepherd to, to work with it. So a teacher mindset might be someone who loves to study, is hungry for deeper knowledge, deeper wisdom. While everybody's reading novels, you're reading history and, and deeper uh, commentaries to find out more. You love information and you love sharing it and you want others to know it. How many teachers do I have here? Okay. All right. What does that mean then? As I've seen the hands in this congregation go up, some of you didn't raise your hand at all because you, you don't know what you are. <laughs> that's all right because you're discovering it you will discover some of these traits some of them are not uh, moving above some of the others now obviously all of us should be some aspect of this shouldn't we all of you got to run your own household don't you apostle all of you need to stay in touch with heaven don't you prophet 
All of you need to witness to the lost, don't we, evangelists? All of us need to shepherd and care for the people around us, don't we? All of us need to teach and disciple because we have information the world doesn't have. So that's within all of us, but what you're going to find is this DNA in Christ should increase and, and it'll peak in other areas, sometimes at different times of your life. But most of you will find that you're operating out of these five gifts in your life already. Now, recognize it so that you may mature with it in Christ. Ephesians 4.13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We, the body, if we would begin to understand the apostolic among us, the teacher among us, the prophets among us, the evangelists among us, we're going to function better. Look, at, I'm gonna, I, I need volunteers to do some things. So I need some volunteers on a prayer team. Who should I have on the prayer teams? Well, I'm thinking the pastors and the prophets. I need someone to go out door to door and make sure people are going to come out. Who should I get? The evangelists. I need someone to help organize this thing. Who should I get? The apostles. So step up to your gift thing. You see what I'm saying? So we grow into the full stature. What the the idea is, is in this illustration, so that if all of us are functioning, working together, we're growing up into the what? Head. The body's growing to the head. That's the last day's church. That's what we're supposed to be looking like, closer to the head. But we're still so truncated right now. We've got half a Christianity in the West that doesn't even believe there's apostles and prophets. So that's a physically challenged body, wouldn't you say? Gotta hop around. 1 John 4, 17. In this way, love has been perfected among us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. Read it. For in this world, we are just like him. Somebody remember that verse. In this world, we, who's the we? The body of Christ. In this world, right now, on planet earth, in this world, we are what? Are we? We're supposed to. We're getting there. And we're never going to get there if we don't function in the DNA that he gave us by putting his spirit within us. So learn from this. Grow in this. Don't back away from it. If you have that sense of the prophetic as it's been described, then step up into it. Come on, prophets. Study, research, grow. Get into prayer. Get into the spirit. You apostles, step up. Start organizing. You're self-starters. Start motivating. Somebody at, at work needs to hear the gospel. Start a Bible study. You evangelists, step up. Let's go. The days are evil. Let's redeem the time. Amen? And it doesn't mean in the church. It can happen here. But 
everybody thinks that in order to do ministry, you have to, oh, I got to get a position in the church. No, it's out there. We should be functioning. This should be functioning in your own household. Does that make sense? Your house would run better if you had an apostle running it. Go marry one. <laughs> I don't know, maybe both of you are, are, are evangelists. Maybe one of you. Find out what your mate is. Find out in your household. What are your kids? And shape and form what you have around you. What are your friends? What's the gift mix in your friends? Right? We're going out to dinner. Where are we going? I don't know. I don't know what I feel like. Well, let's go here because, you know, you got an apostle in the group. They'll decide where to go. Then there'll be an argument and the pastor's going to say, no, come on, guys. It's all right. We'll figure this out. Well, I'm not going there because I looked online what the menu is and according, the, the teacher's going to start explaining the calories and what the count and the... This is happening all the time and we're not paying attention to it. Let's pay attention to who we are because in this world we are like Him. We need to show up. The church is ready for this. The church is dynamically moving into it. This is language that should not be foreign to us. All right? So moving in the apostolic, the prophetic, evangelistic, shepherding and teaching is the way the church is moving. It's growing into that. The first century church understood it. It's been lost. Many churches, if you talk about fivefold, they have no, they think it's the latest brochure hanging in the, it's a fivefold brochure hanging in the thingy out there. You're being called into it because God's going to use us. We're being trained in this because God wants us to do something in the corner that we possess in this city. Are you ready? Are you willing? Those were two pauses to hear something back. <laughs> Stand with me. Let us pray. I am calling apostles. I am calling to the prophetic. I'm calling out to the evangelist. I'm calling to the shepherds, to the teachers. What God is shaping in you and forming in you, it is the work of the Holy Spirit in you to be like Jesus in that fashion. He's calling you out. Learn it, grow with it, move in it. You do not have to be some kind of superstar in it. You don't have to get any acclamation for it. You simply need to live in the DNA of Christ that he's given you. Walk in this. Join together with others in it. And you will see the kingdom of God grow. God is calling Christ's community, this church, to grow in the fivefold stature so that there is unity and maturity among us, that we will begin to teach those who come in, and there will be a kingdom impact in our community. So I pray this over your household, 
I pray this challenges you today. Those of you who are not aware of this gift mix, your eyes are open now to watch for it. In what ways do you look like Jesus? Do you act like Jesus? It's going to be in these five-fold dynamics. Walk in them. Learn the gifts you've been given. Father, I ask you to do this with us as a church, with us as a people. As we go our own way, Lord God, may we walk in the way you're training us. And I release this impartation now to your people. In Jesus' name. If you'll receive it, say amen this morning. Amen. Amen. Amen.